Well, good morning, Stony Brook Church. It is a blessing and a pleasure to be with you this morning as we celebrate a very special Youth Sunday. Um, we, uh, we got a chance to do a Youth Sunday last year, and we were so excited to be back uh, serving you all and worshiping you, with you this morning. Uh, most of the pieces that you have seen kids participating in this morning are students that are part of our student leadership team here at Stony Brook Church. Uh, that's a team that we started just a year ago. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's even been that long, but um, we've got a team of students that, that gather together a couple of times a month to make decisions on things that are happening in youth ministry, what our topics of discussion are going to be, the events that we do, all of the things that come into those events, and those kids have worked really hard to, to kind of order and organize the service for this morning, so we are grateful for all the work that they have done so far. Would you help me to thank them? Well, for those of you that I haven't had the pleasure to meet, my name is Ben Lilly. I'm the director of youth ministries here at Stony Brook Church. Uh, my family and I have been serving here at Stony Brook for almost seven years. We actually started here in July of 2012. That is hard to believe um, that it has been almost seven years already. We have felt great amounts of love from you as a congregation. The way that you support my family is beyond what I can be grateful for. Um, the way that you have supported the children that we have brought into our house through foster care has been just exponential, and we love you and thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to let my friend introduce herself now. Hi, my name is Grace Baker. I am part of the student leadership team, and I am a sophomore at Gahanna Lincoln High School. Awesome. Grace, we are so grateful that you are here helping us teach this morning. Uh, we are going to be focusing on uh, John 21 in just a moment. Um, I have uh, something I'd like to share. Uh, as most of you have noticed coming into the church the last few weeks, you didn't see it last Sunday, but there is a new bus in the parking lot. Have you guys all seen this new thing? All right, one of these days I'll get it open so you can kind of walk in and check it out on a Sunday morning. That is uh, something that this church worked really hard to get for us. Uh, it made its inaugural uh, um, trip last Sunday or last weekend. Uh, we took 40 students and leaders down to Hocking Hills, not all in that bus, I promise. We <laughs> We obey seatbelt laws. We take that very seriously. We rented a couple vans as well. But we had 40 kids and leaders that went down to Hocking Hills for a retreat last weekend. We got to worship. Uh, we had a guest speaker come and teach us about what it means to believe, what it means to follow, what it looks like to serve. Uh, and we spent a lot of time um, in that bus traveling through those winding hills of Hocking Hills. So we are grateful for this church for providing something like that. I uh, want to let you know it is not a youth bus specifically. The youth will be using it a lot, but if you have a group here at Stony Brook that is in need of transportation like that, you can talk to Kimberly in the office, put in a, a vehicle request form, and uh, she will help you guys make sure that you've got a way to get from point A to point B. I know the UMW is using it in a couple weeks for a trip. They asked me if I'd drive. I was going to say no, but they offered Schmitz for lunch, so I said yes. I mean, I just... <laughs> I couldn't pass up that opportunity. Um, we will be reading from John chapter 21 this morning. Before I dig in, let me pray. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for this spring morning here in central Ohio. Uh, we pray that you would bless the words that are being shared this morning, that you would soften our hearts and our ears right now to hear what you have for us as individuals that are chasing after you. Lord, help us to seek you in everything that we do. Help these words that we are reading from the Gospel of John to reflect something new and fresh in our lives. In your name we pray these things. Amen. I'm going to be reading John chapter 1, verses 1 through 19. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you have a different version, it may vary a little bit, but the basic principle is the same, so bear with me. John 21. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. 
Several of the disciples were there, Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but caught nothing all night. At dawn, the disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach, but they couldn't see who he was. He called out, friends, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the other side of the boat, and you'll get plenty of fish. So they did, and they couldn't draw it in because there were too many fish in it. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, let me pause for a second. In John, we see, uh, we see John himself refer to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. I love pointing this out to my students, and there's a reason, because John would have been one of the younger disciples when he was walking with Jesus. In those years, that's what we understand, is that he would have been a youthful man. All right? And so when he wrote this, he still had that spirit about him, but this na-na-na-na-na-na that he throws into Scripture every once in a while is kind of intriguing. He says, hey, the other disciples were there, but the one that Jesus loved, look at me, I recognized him first. Uh, He did it at the tomb also. Peter ran ahead, but the one Jesus loved ran faster, right? Like he's constantly making sure that we know that he is the one that Jesus cared for deepest. There obviously was a special relationship between them. We'll pick that back up in verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and swam ashore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 300 feet. When they got there, they saw that a charcoal fire was burning, and fish were frying over it, and there was bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said, and no one dared ask him if he was really the Lord because they were sure of it. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated this question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Scripture says that Peter was grieved that Jesus asked this question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. The truth is, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked and go wherever you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will direct you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would die to glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. So Stephen shared with the children this morning a little bit about the beginning of that chunk of Scripture, about the fishing and, and what that would have looked like. Um, I, I think that we need to notice also that, that Peter was a fisherman by trade. If we go back to the, the beginning of the Gospel, we see Jesus tell him, cast your nets aside and follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Right? He lays it down. And here they are just a few weeks after they had 
watched Jesus die on the cross, be buried, and then had experienced his resurrection. And my, my picture is, what I understand this is, that Peter and the disciples are sitting around, and right now they really don't know what to do. Right? Jesus has appeared to them, but he's kind of coming in and out. They don't have a, a direct message from him yet to go. Right? And so Peter, being a fisherman by trade and probably enjoying it a little bit, says, I'm just going to go fishing. I'm going to go do something that's familiar to me, something that I understand, something that I'm good at, something that I can distract myself with, whatever way you want to look at it. He says, I'm going to go fishing, and the rest of the disciples decide to join him. Do we have anybody that fishes in here? I like to fish every once in a while. I'm really, really impatient. Uh, I, I, I have grown up in the fast food era where we like what we want right now, right? And so when I cast a net, if 15 minutes later I don't have something large nibbling on my line and I'm pulling it in, I'm bored with it already, right? Like Some of you can go and sit on the shore or on a boat, throw a line out and sit there all day and be content if nothing really bites and the sun's just shining down. That's not me. Like, I have to have something happening. So I can't even fathom throwing nets in the water, waiting all night without success, and then when somebody says, hey, you should try the other side of the boat, going, oh, okay. Like, to me, that's like nonsense that they would go, oh, okay. But something inside of them told them, hey, this is, this is, this is something that you should do. So they pulled the nets out of the water, cast them on the other side, and all of a sudden their nets are full so much that they can't pull those nets inside of the boat. Then the disciple whom Jesus loves goes, oh, that's got to be Jesus, right? Like, finally, he recognizes who this has to be on the beach. Simon dives in the water, swims over to see him. What happens next is a meal together. All right, so I got a few hands for fishermen. How many of you are breakfast people? Okay, that's better. I was going to be scared, right? Um, I love breakfast, like I, I do, whether it's a bowl of cereal with the kids and a cup of coffee in the morning, whether it's meeting somebody to go over uh, an event that's coming up to talk over it and have a, a big meal together, whatever it is, breakfast is important. It also, I, I, I feel like it's one of the most conversational, ready meals that we have. Like dinner, we can have some conversation, but then we're moving on to something else, and then we're going to bed. Breakfast, we have this ability to have a conversation and maul over everything that we've discussed. To, to just let it sink in for the rest of the day. And I don't think that's a mistake on Jesus' part with these gentlemen. I think that what he is talking to about Peter that comes next is what's so important in this story. In fact, it's so important that it changes Peter's life from that moment forward and changes, listen, it changes the course of human history. Because of who Peter was and who he would become, it changes everything that has happened through the course of human history. You see, we see Jesus interact with Peter in a way where he asks him, do you love me? If you break down this section of scripture, uh, if you go back and look at the Greek, you see two different Greek words used. You see agape as Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Agape, which our understanding of, the way that I understand it, is, is an unconditional love. It is a love that is self-sacrificing that's not about me. So he says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me with everything you have? And Peter replies with the Greek word phileo, or philia, which is, I love you like a brother, right? I love you, I love you with a friendship, Jesus. But before he says that, something that's really important is he says, Jesus, you know that I love you. Let's, let's catch that word, you know. 
Because what he is saying is, Jesus, you have seen that I love you. You have seen the love that I have for you. Peter is this disciple that has done all kinds of dumb stuff with Jesus over the last three years, right? Like every time he's given an opportunity to show the faith that he has in his Savior, he just screws it up. He's with Jesus in the garden, and a soldier comes, and he cuts the guy's ear off, and Jesus just looks at him like, dummy, what'd you do that for? And he picks the ear up and puts it back on the, the, the soldier's head, right? We see him say, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter goes, no, I'm not going to deny you. I would never do that. And then 24 hours later, hey, you must be the one that was with you. I don't know him. That's Peter, right? And he's standing before Jesus who's asking him, do you love me with everything that you have? Do you love me unconditionally? And his response isn't going to be, yeah, I love you unconditionally, because he was there and he knows that Jesus knows that his response to do you know him was no. So he responds, Jesus, I... I phileo you. You know it. You know that I love you like a brother. You know that I want this relationship with you. But you know that I have not been willing up to this point to do everything it takes to say that my love is unconditional. Jesus' response to that is not, well, Peter, then walk away. It's not enough. His response is, feed my lambs. Now, we understand lambs and sheep in this chapter to be the difference between those that are just coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ or or following God, and those that have sheep as those that have been doing this for a while, those that really understand who Jesus is. So when he says, do you love me? And he says, yeah, I I love you like a brother. He says, okay, feed my lambs. You're responsible now for introducing people to who I am. And then he says again, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter goes, Jesus, you know that I like you. I, I love you like a brother. He says, okay, tend my sheep. Take care of the people that, that are following me. That's your responsibility now. And he asks them a third time, but the third time Jesus' word switches. He doesn't again say, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? He says, Peter, do you phileo? Do you, do you love me like a brother? Do you love me? Do we have a friendship? And Peter goes, you know, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. Now, in those two you knows right there, He says, you know, twice. And there are two different you knows in Greek. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I had to read that. He says, you know, in other words, you understand, and you know, you have seen. You have seen and you understand that I love you like a brother. You have witnessed the things that I have done, Lord. I have walked beside you and I have done things that have exhibited that I don't love you unconditionally. I've tried, but I have failed, but I still love you. And Jesus goes, that's okay, Peter, feed my sheep. He took that love that Peter had, which was still in the works, it was still in progress of working towards agape, and he said, Peter, I am going to build my church on you. You've got work to do, and you are going to understand what it means to love. In fact, you're going to understand it so well, I'm going to tell you right now that you're going to die for my sake. That's that's exactly what he tells Peter in this scripture. You know, here at Stony Brook Church, we use the phrase, love God, love others, serve the world. We put it on all kinds of stuff, like it's on keychains, and, and we put it on shirts, and it's on the wall out there in papyrus, and we put it on our website, and we, put, we use that phrase because we believe that it is what we are called to as followers of Jesus Christ, is to love God, love others, and serve the world. And we get that by going back to Matthew 22, 37 through 39, which is the greatest commandment where Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. And in both of, those, both of those verses, he uses the word love as agape. 
We are not called to love our neighbors like brothers and like friends. We are called to love them like Jesus has loved us. Grace, I know that you have had some experience with what it looks like to love God. What is, what is something in your life that you have, you have seen as um, an example of somebody that's loved God? Well, loving God is shown in many different ways. Regardless of how you show your love towards God, God always loves you. My personal experience would be with Ray and Milam. She's one of the prayer warriors at Stony Brook and has been a great influence and model for me. She is my prayer buddy for the journals that we write in youth group and we write our prayer requests in them. And Rayanne is always there for me. If I ever need to whine, scream, laugh, eat, or just do something, she's always there showing me God's love. She even showed me how I was loved and how she loved me and how this whole church loved me and how God loved me when I was struggling with my faith, which really helped me to get through my doubts and fears. That's, that's really interesting. Let me, let me um, share with you. On Sunday nights for youth group, um, we do this thing we, we call journaling. Uh, I, I, a lot of people would call it journaling, I guess. But um, we, when we group, break into our small groups, all of our kids have a journal that they've been working on, most of them for the last two years. Um, when we started this process, we weren't sure how it was going to go, if kids were actually going to write anything in there. Uh, and it was actually funny, a couple weeks ago I had a mom that um, her son's starting to come and she asked if kids actually write anything significant in their journal. So I just grabbed a random journal, opened it to the very first page, and the first two things in there were, I have a test this week and my brother's coming home from college, don't let him beat on me. Right? Like that's, that's the kind of early on things that we get in our journals. But what happens is these students share things in their journals, and then our prayer team, uh, led by Rhea Milam and her team of ladies that just love on these kids, they, they read those entries, they respond to them, they pray over them, and the, the most recent uh, journal entry from that same student was a page and a half. A page and a half of this is what's going on in my life, these are the things that I've seen God working in, this is what I think about this, this is what's happening at school. It, it is a communication tool that these students are using. So Grace is talking about that, that, that journal that she shares and how Rayanne has, has shown God's love and how she shows what it looks like to love God in that process. That's really cool. So if that's what it looks like to love God, if that's an experience that you've had loving God, what does it look like to love others with that unconditional kind of love? Well, Rayanne's kind of also shown me how to love others, and she's really influenced me in my relationship with God and my perception of love. Uh, my parents have also shown me so much love. They support me, and they taught me to advocate, advocate for myself and as a fellow Christian. Uh, my mom has so much love for people, and her love has led her to help a church in need of a leader, and she's thriving there, making new friends and sharing the love of God with others. Not only has my mom shown her love at Pataskala, but the congregation at Pataskala has been amazing. They've shown so much love towards my family that we never expected. And they've really helped us through this transition. They're so supportive and they want us to be so involved in everything going on in the church and they want us to show God's love in their community, which is amazing. That is amazing. Um, for those of you that don't know Grace, um, she is Pastor Nikki's daughter. Uh, Pastor Nikki started here at Stony Brook in June of 2012, um, just a few weeks before I got here. Um, and uh, she recently was appointed to Pataskala UMC and um, has, has started serving out there and has just been blessed immensely. And I know that 
Um, you and your mom both were worried about that transition and what that would look like, and I think it's really cool to see that the love of God from this congregation and from that congregation has made that transition what it is. So I, I think when we, when we start to understand what it looks like to love God in that way, when it starts to uh, set, up, set aside what we need, what we are looking for, and looking at our love in light of what God has in store, um, and we take that and translate it into uh, I love other people in that same way. I'm, I'm doing things for other people. That the natural transition there is is to serve others, right? It's it's this heart mentality of I'm going to do things that are not for me. It's for somebody else, and that can be little things, right? Like we I know we've talked in the past about putting carts away at grocery stores or holding the door open for somebody that's walking towards you. You know, even if you have to wait an extra five or ten seconds, you know. Not that look over my shoulder, eh, they're far enough away to let the door go, but I'm going to go out of my way and, and take time to hold this for somebody. Or it could be something big like Hawking Hills last weekend. Uh, our team was able to do some cleanup on the Hawking River and, and pull trash and debris off of the, the banks of the river. Um, what are ways that you have experienced service that you believe come because of this, this style, this kind of love that God is calling us to? Well, one of my personal favorite things to do to show my love of God is through service. Service really speaks to me, and it helps me have a greater connection with God. And I've been on ASP twice, and I'll be going again this summer, and I'm very excited. Uh, before ASP, I'd never really done a big service project like that, and it was really life-changing. My teens have been amazing each year, and uh, our homeowners have been so kind. Serving the world isn't just helping someone fix their home, though. We also got to know the homeowners and made connections with them. On my first ASP trip, I got to hang out with my family's five-year-old daughter. Not only did I make a relationship with the family, but I also did get the opportunity to serve them. Our job was to take out the flooring in the kitchen and the bathroom and put down new floors. Um, I mostly worked in the bathroom with Stephen Shoup and Garrett Keener. Not only did we put down new floors, but we also moved the shower and took out the inside walls of the bathroom so that they could be fixed by the next team. While we worked, we really got to know our homeowner and about his faith. He would tell us each day how he was so thankful for our work because he couldn't do it himself. And that made me think about how important it is to serve others and to be the hands and feet of God. On my second year, I got to talk to our homeowner and his wife, and uh, along with their goats, which I love goats. Um, <laughs> the whole experience was amazing. Our team focused on taking out and replacing the floor in the kitchen. Our whole team was so eager to help this family. Throughout the week, I became a construction worker and a plumber very helpful. Uh, we crawled under the house and did lots of work to make sure that they had proper running water in the kitchen and they were so grateful. My favorite experience on both ASP weeks was the last day when we would pray over the families. My first year our homeowner took the time to tell each of us how much he appreciated us and our work and um, just our getting to know their family and on my second year um, we went to go pray over the family, and the homeowner said, no, let me pray over you, and he prayed over our whole team. And it was really amazing because we weren't expecting that at all. And at the end of the prayer, 
he gave all the girls on our team flowers that he had picked for us. And it was the best experience ever. And it just really shows you how people's faith is so important and how no matter what situation they're in, their faith can be so strong. That's incredible. Um, ASP that, that uh, Grace is talking about is our Appalachian Service Project. I know a lot of you have been a part of ASP teams uh, through the years. This, this will be actually our 44th summer uh, that Stony Brook has taken teams to, to Central Appalachia um, to serve, to help make homes warmer, safer, and drier. What's really cool, uh, going as a leader, that's, uh, this will be, my, I think, my sixth trip, is seeing kids that are going for the first time because they want to go, right? Because they want to be with their friends, because it's a week away from home during the summer. And watching that service experience, watching that, that interaction with these families show them what love looks like, right? Showing them almost in reverse, like you expect to go serve and share God's love, and you go serve and get God's love poured into you uh, in a way that you just don't see happening, right? Um, I think that's an incredible, incredible opportunity. We're actually going to be taking five teams to Chavez, Kentucky in July this year. I'm super excited about that and that experience. Grace is going back again with us this year. I think that it's really interesting to look at Peter through this whole process, right? Here's this guy that, that again, screwed up time after time after time, constantly Jesus going, where's your faith? Get behind me, Satan. Like, all of these things that Jesus is looking at Peter and going, you just, you don't get it. And then he sits at the fire with him and says, you're still not getting it, but you're going to. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, tend my flock, right? And then we fast forward a little bit, and we can look at the book of 1 Peter. So this guy that says, Jesus, I just don't understand unconditional love with you. I, I, I've shown you time and time again that that's not where my love is. In, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, Peter himself says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers the multitude of sins. And that verb that he uses is that agape love. It is that, that unconditional. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, have to show each other that love that Jesus shared with us on the cross. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to invite Bob and uh, Pastor Bob and Pastor Lou to come forward and help us with our communion this morning. Would you bow your heads? Jesus, we thank you for this time this morning. We just pray that these words that we have, we have heard, that you would help make them real in our lives. And, and as we go out of this place this week, that you would help us to identify who we need to be loving with that unconditional type of love, who we need to look at and say, hey, I'm going to set aside what I see as things in their life that are different from what I believe and how I'm going to love them like you. God, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.